Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yes, everybody. Welcome back to the Full Time Devils podcast. My name is Stephen Alson, joined by Joshy and by Dave. And uh, what are we talking about today, lads? I don't know. You um, tell us. All right, yeah, about um, how everyone, everything's back to normal and everyone's having fun, or that we're all still stuck at home. And yeah, uh, we're I'm raising not- just from just two pound a month. You can get Dave an haircut. Um. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, see, Joshy's gone with what I've gone with. Yeah, yeah, it was a mistake. Honestly, I was trying to do give myself. I tidied everything up and it looked great. And then a couple of weeks later, I tried it again and I got a bit too ambitious and took a massive chunk out the front. And there was no rescuing it other than yeah. just taking the whole thing off. Measure it, twice, it cut once and all that lot. Painful times, but yeah, it's all right. <laughs> I'm getting used to it. <laughs> uh, right. So there are, there are a few things on the agenda. We can be talking about Angel Gomez uh, and what's going on with that. That seems to have heated up in the last few days. Project Restart. Um, I think you could probably drop an S out of that. Uh, and yeah, you're nearly there. Um, <laughs> Joshy. What's up? Tell let's tell everyone why it's such a fucking monumentally stupid idea that they're definitely going to do. What project restart? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, look, we saw what did we see the other day? Turn your face when tackled, right? And yeah. I actually thought that was a joke because someone someone posted it in a WhatsApp group, and then I was like responding with, "Yeah," and then we'll ha- we'll sanitize players, full body sanitation at halftime, and full body body sanitation whenever like a they're... car wash yeah yeah uh, after every tackle and they went no no that is a real suggestion that's come through and i had to go and check on 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 uh, on twitter so i mean it's getting ludicrous isn't it it's it's, it's just ludicrous uh, why why would you risk it i mean we saw okay that this is not sport related but there was a uh um a, a, i think a tube worker maybe um was spat at and then she ended up getting covid and then she died from it so 
that's one individual where, yeah, I'm not saying players are going to be spitting at each other deliberately, but if you've got that level of kind of risk involved, um, why would you do it for a game when where it's, you know, you're not even going to get, you know, it's not even going to be a recognisable game, right, if you're introducing all these other rules. So for me, and I said it the first sort of podcast I did, uh, maybe I think it was in February, the season 2019-2020 is done. It has to be just put to one side and preparation now has to be begin for the following season, so next season, because we, we know that this... Um, well, I can certainly tell you now that we're not out of the first wave, but we, and we will start seeing upticks, and we will see a second wave and a third wave or whatever because the, of of many reasons in the UK of how this has been managed. So for me, the Premier League needs to start thinking, and the FA needs to start thinking about next season. We need to build in flexibility into the program. So if the government then goes right, actually, it's it, we're now in lockdown for November, December, and January, right? Because then that that's done so what do you do maybe you cancel the league cup for next year or maybe even the fa cup and then you're thinking about europe and you're going how can you have a champions league season with teams flying around everywhere potentially fans because we also know fans are idiots and uh we're all gonna you know we all want to look let's get it straight we all want to go and watch matches we all want to be there seeing our team play football but it's you know we know as well that it's not it's 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 kind of a lower priority compared to actually what's happening in real world but you're going to get a small but significant minority who will turn up to matches who will fly and see their teams across europe and what about countries where they've got a a flight lockdown you know what are the legalities of it what about players wishes i mean there's so many things to think about the layer upon layer and layer of complexity is ridiculous and then you get the premier league saying oh if an individual player tests positive they they have to self isolate, but the rest of the squad doesn't. And 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 I'm kind of going. So who is the medical advisor that's given them that as a as a uh, as advice to to give out, which is contrary to what we're saying about the general population, right? Because you can't have one situation where the training is all distanced and everyone is sanitizing and everything, and then suddenly you go into a match and and you're full contact and whatnot. So it, it just there's just too much complexity, too much risk. My only thought is they're just doing this to get to the point where they can say they've done as much as possible to to see what can be done feasibly for a reason for the season to restart before then they then cancel it because then you I, I don't know the legalities and contracts around you know Premier League and the TV broadcasting rights and all that kind of stuff but for me there's just it just seems silly it's getting it's way too silly now isn't it for me anyway yeah it- I think you're right on one front with that. With it does feel like um, the fact that they chose to not even have ending this early on the table for the first three or four meetings that they had almost seems to me like they're putting in a paper trail for when this eventually does end up in litigation over the hundreds of millions of pounds owed or not owed by the TV rights companies. I feel like the Premier League is... Um, is right in their notes to say, as you can see, we didn't even mention it in the first four weeks. Then we we sort of had it as any other business at one of the meetings, and then you know as as it time went on, it became more and more obvious that this was going to have to happen. But as you can see, we did everything that we could 
to try and get this to restart, therefore pay us the money. I'm sure that's what they're doing at the moment. Um, because like you said, some of the stuff that's coming out, turn your face as you're tackling and, um, you know, spitting won't be allowed and extra subs <laughs> and maybe we don't even have 45 minute long matches and you're like, what are you, this isn't the game. If you can't play it, how everybody started it back in August, you can't play it. You know, neutral venues and no relegation and promote the free teams from promotion spots in the championship. Uh, like, where where does it end? Where does common sense come into this? It's nonsense. I don't think there is any common sense when there's money involved, though. If you look at the Premier League, they, they run three leagues. In the Premier League, the Premier League 2, and the under-18 Premier League. Now, one of them generates millions and millions and millions of pounds. You get paid off TV broadcasters, like you've said. Um, that's still up in the air of it's going to go on. The other two have been cancelled because there's not the money involved. It's all about the players' safety. They can't be training, can't be doing this. So why is it all about the players' safety for them and then not for the the Premier League? Because at the end of the day, all the players are the same. It's nothing to do with the age age groups because we know, you know today, that in the, the reserves, the under-23s, first-team players play in that. So I just don't understand why... They're not just coming out and saying, listen, we know... Because everyone knows it's all about the money. Mm. And and then they're going to start saying, well, we're playing behind closed doors. But that that won't happen because, like you were saying earlier, fans will go try and get in. What was it? It's been that long ago. Was it Lask, the last game we played away? It was, allegedly. Yeah. I mean, I was pretty drunk, so I struggled to remember. Uh, fans were outside. Imagine that game was at Old Trafford and it was behind closed doors. How many people do you think have been outside? A lot, plenty here. Yeah. So even if you have a neutral venue, I don't, Villa Park, for example, just at, at the top of my head. I mean, do you think think people aren't going to get to go outside and just just for the chance they might be able to get in? There's going to be hundreds of people there, and it's going to cause a, a big risk. I just can't understand why they want to go forward with this and then just make it unsafe for everyone. Yeah, I mean, if you think about that point, right? I mean, I think w- when we're, I don't, what I'm, what I don't think what we're saying is every fan is going to be out there. Right? I think what we're saying is mm-hmm. there's going to be a small but significant minority, even if it's just hundreds. And if you're playing at neutral venues, they're coming from different parts of the country. The one, the one club that you've got to worry about is in terms of their fan base is Liverpool, right? So if they, if we, if we play it behind closed doors, let's say hypothetically. They win the league, right? I think they're two. They were two results away, or even potentially one match week away from winning it. Um, if they win the league, you're going to have a much larger. Uh, for, you know, these guys have been waiting thirty years uh, for a title. That they're they're how long? Thirty. Thirty is it? Is it thirty? Okay. Is it thirty? It wasn't none this decade. None this none decade. Last the, decade. Yeah. Or the one previous. None. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Keep just checking. we'll just get the researchers on it to double check that it was thirty years. But anyway, thirty <laughs> years. Right. Imagine, imagine the release. But you just you just know that there's going to be a massive. You know, they're not going to get a parade, but the Liverpool there'll be a significant uh, proportion of Liverpool fans that are going to have their own parade. You know, the risk is too high because we've seen it at the weekend just gone. Um, with street parties, and that's during a lockdown, and and that's during a lockdown, and and we're a much more stricter lockdown, and and, and football is is also is equally emotive as other things, and people have been waiting for a long time for. The, I just don't see it as a 
a reasonable risk to be taking. Ultimately, when you put when you take the population as a group, we, we just have to say we're all idiots, right? Individuals act generally with common sense, generally. But as a group, people just they just go off one. You have street parties and you have um uh house parties and barbecues and people playing sport and and you know it just yeah it doesn't make sense to me to then invite even more idiocy because um you're just gonna have it aren't you you just know it i totally agree with you with the liverpool fans because it was under different circumstances but when we won the champions league in 2008 i don't remember rightly but we didn't have a parade at all when we did what won the champions league okay yeah we won um, another trophy that year as well, I think. Oh, well, we did. Right, yeah. I'm, I'm the year before, I'm the year afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but there was no parade and we just, I'd watched a game in Manchester with a friend and he was from Nottingham. And they were getting literally landing at the airport at Manchester and he goes, do you know where Carrington is? I was like, yeah, why? And he goes, well, if we go there, you, you might be able to see the trophy, you know, and so we thought, yeah, why not? So we got there and there was hundreds of people on that lane at Carrington because it was an opportunity to see the team with the, with the trophies and they had both the trophies at the front of the bus and it, it was great. But it, I know it was different circumstances, but if that was an opportunity where Liverpool had won the, um, the Premier League and then they're going back to their training ground, do you, do you not think that there'd be hundreds of Liverpool fans outside? Of course you would. People would take yeah. the risk. They'd and and to be fair, the risk would be ridiculous. And I wouldn't necessarily use that. I'm not saying that's a criticism specifically of Liverpool fans. I think that no, would no. be true oh, of any em. club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it would be true. I think it would be true of any club, right? In the same situation, right? It's yeah, not probably. a. It, it's not a specific criticism of Liverpool fans, although there's in and there is enough there to kind of go on. But we're we're, we're focusing on this uh, other topic. But yeah, I, and I think it is a very real risk at every single match, right? I just think it will be. And especially yeah. Liverpool fans. They've got fans here, there and everywhere. You'll have people coming over from Ireland. You'll have down south, Scotland. You know, and once they've been there, they've spread back to where they've come from and it's going to cause an issue. Not only that, I mean, what's annoying me is that the, the talk is only the talk of the league. Manchester United could win two more competitions as well as come top four. United could have a sensational end to the season. We really could. We really could have... Almost, I mean, actually, you could top what we did with Jose this season yeah. because we've been, yeah. you know, it's yeah. unexpected because you sort of expected something with Jose because of the pedigree of manager he is. You know, I don't think anyone is, is putting Solskjaer in that same category, even though actually long term he might prove to be a better fit for us than the Mourinho ever was. But we could easily go and, I mean, what under Jose that season was that season we won the. Uh, Europa League and the League Cup. Well, and we oh, finished the third six. We got a third trophy, oh, yeah, remember? Oh, sorry, <laughs> now, I think the point is valid, right? And I, I mean, not. I would say it's certainly feasible, although still a long way to go. And actually, we were in a, in really good form. Actually, the season pause came at a poor time for us with uh, um, in terms of our form. Uh, and then you've got the likes of Rashford to come back, Pogba to come back into that team, although Rashford still isn't fit yet but you know just that that kind of potential that you're thinking about in that side and we'd just beaten city and you know we're just getting building up some really good form 
uh, an exciting football. And you, it was feasible that could, we could go all the way in the FA Cup and, and the Europa League. You can't always say we would definitely have won it, but it, it was, a, and we were chasing down, well, trying to chase down Chelsea, but uh, for for fourth spot. But every time they slipped up, we slipped up. So, but we were still. It's still, you know, I completely agree with you. But it's difficult to say more definitively for us. But you know, Liverpool again, they could feasibly have collapsed, I guess. But I think, sorry, not feasibly, technically collapsed. But it's not really feasible, right? So slight different. But yeah, I, I agree, and I think. But I think we acted quite well as a club during this uh, situation, and what even if, if. yeah. What if, right? Just thinking on the feasibility of everything. The Scousers are obviously, and I understand it. I, I don't blame them for wanting to force the season back so they can actually be crowned champions. Of course, I'd be finding any loophole I could if I was if I was one of them. But what if project restart happens? Fictionally, start getting completed, but Liverpool squad comes down with it. <laughs> And we obviously this is a virus, so you can with a, a, a weird incubation period. So okay, that guy goes and self isolates, right? Then that guy comes down with it. Then that guy comes down with it. And what if every other team gets to complete their fixtures, <laughs> and Liverpool don't manage to complete their fixtures? Because if you did that in a general season, you would have to forfeit your games. Was it Middlesbrough a few years ago that didn't have enough players and they had to forfeit, or did they yeah, just they get didn't, fined? Didn't Brian Robson? No, they got dot points, didn't they? They didn't. It wasn't even just forfeit the match. I'm pretty sure they got dot points. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to look that up. Researchers on it. <laughs> See, but, uh, imagine if they'd have just said cancel the season, you can be awarded champions, or actually we don't cancel the season and because you're unable to complete because of this, oh, I don't know, the global pandemic that's fucking the world at the moment you're unable to complete your fixtures but the other 19 teams could uh, and then you get dot points. I mean surely that's got to be a provision. I wouldn't want the, the league to do that but I would laugh if it did if they did. Yeah, Middlesbrough docked points for failing to fulfil their fixtures. It's not just that they, they forfeited that match that they didn't attend. They were actually docked three points they already had so six point kind of loss in that regard so you know so all of this foregone conclusion that Liverpool are going to be champions there is loads of ways you can lose points in the Premier League I by playing be, matches under different circumstances though with all this going on I don't think people will be docked points because there rules is a, and rules. a pandemic rules. going on rules are rules <laughs> I think you're fine the rules say that the season should be over by now, though, and it's not. Uh, no, but the 30th of June is actually across the board um, in England that all seasons have to be completed, which is because the 1st of July is the technical contract that, uh, start date for new seasons and the competition start date for new seasons as well. So there are reasons why that needs to be completed. It's, so I'm, I'm torn. Half of me thinks that they are playing the game and I, oh, the other half of me thinks they're going to ram this home no matter what. It's not, I mean, it, you, you've got to think about also the time scale, right? They're going to have to complete what, how many match rounds left? Nine, eight rounds of matches left? We could have up to nine, 18 games it, left if we go the whole way. No, no, but I'm talking about Premier League. Is that it's about eight or nine, right? So, yeah. It, so, eight or nine matches across. A couple of weeks is what is basically what we're talking about, aren't we? Yeah. What the, that that in itself 
is an issue for the health and safety of players, right? Secondly, so uh, the other thing is, play, wh why would players risk it? Because even like, we, we were discussing this earlier, I think before we started recording, but the the impact on young people in terms of getting it and 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 getting severe infections, uh, the rate of it is quite is really very low. But if you do get it and you get a severe infection, the long term impact is is unknown. There are lots of cases of kind of lung fibrosis, reducing lung capacity, and even a stint in ITU in a general sense gives you physical and mental health issues for a long time. As a player whose livelihood is dependent on being an elite physical condition that is a risk that even if it's a very small risk it's an unnecessary risk to take uh, and i will probably wouldn't take it it's a, an, and the thing is it's an additional risk on top of all the risks that are already there as part of the game like you may break your leg in training you may do that you can't legislate that's that's an accepted part of your your kind of risk an additional risk of potentially getting a lung disease that means you can't breathe properly for the next x y and z amount yeah, of time probably that's, got a shot in your life and a hundred percent shot in your career yeah exactly so again it, it, there's just it's just too, there's too much like uh complexity in how you manage this and deal with it i just wouldn't want to be the guy who's told right we're having behind closed doors matches you need to come up with a system whereby everyone is kind of safe and sanitizing and distanced except the 11 players on the pitch can't do man marking jobs but what's crazy to me though even if this COVID thing was over with. We found a cure, blah, blah, blah. And then you still have to get these nine games in in a short space of time. It's, for me, it's still not safe with the injury factor. You know, the fatigue of the players playing 90 minutes. They've said what they have extra substitutions, but will that really make a difference over that play, constantly playing? You see in the World Cup, you know, teams who just play three group matches, they're knackered by the end of it. So if, you, if you're going to be playing two, three games a week or whatever it is. But there's so much risk of injury, you know, and, you know, careers being over because someone's going to dive in for a tackle. Who, they're not really fully fit. They're going to break something and it's going to be the end of someone's career. I just, I just cannot see the They're going to dive in for the tackle with their face facing away. I spoke to a um, one of the coaches at United last week uh, and I was saying... Are we expecting to see like a glut of injuries when these players come back? And he said, yeah. He goes, because we're going to ramp up preseason almost straight away. He said, so the players are going to be going quite hard. He goes, but there's one thing that we can't do, which we would normally do, is that, he goes, we get hands-on with the players. There's massages, there's manipulation, there's, there's all sorts of stuff that we do with them that keeps them match ready. And he goes... We're not going to be able to do that. He goes, and even though they've been training at home, it doesn't quite match the intensity that you would have um, when you're when you're playing uh, week in week out or training week in week out. Even if they're doing five Ks, he said it's just not going to be the same sort of physiological thing. And the, he goes, I'm expecting hundreds of injuries across the league. Just little muscle injuries here and there, just little imbalances here and there, because physios haven't been able to get hands on with the players. So if you think about it, you're you're hope if you're going to restart in the what is it the middle of June? They think you kind of have to get players in uh, last week, very very soon. <laughs> yeah, now right to get them prepped, and then even then it's not adequate prep because uh, for the reasons you've just mentioned. And then they've got to ram it through in two weeks, three weeks, uh, nine, eight, nine games. And that's just for the league. And you've already mentioned 
FA Cup and Europa League for United, and, and then there are other teams in other competitions. It just doesn't make sense to me. You should be, they should just cancel it. What, whatever they do in terms of awarding uh, Champions League places, all that, I'm not, I'm not discussing that. I'm just saying cancel the season, void it, or whatever you want to do, but cancel it, and then, um, and then concentrate on managing next season. That would be what I would do now. One thing I just thought of as well is in the renewal rule now that if you come into the country, you've got a quarantine for 14 days from an, another country. Is that coming in? Yeah, so it's it's more self isolation. So they re- yeah. they they'll recommend it. It's not like a proper. So in other so in, in in other countries that you actually literally quarantine in a government facility for right. two well, weeks. Over, That's not what this yeah. will be. You come like in like Acon get locked up. Yeah. And then, um, not all not all the Premier League players at the moment are in England, so the players that are flying in will have to self isolate. Surely. Yeah, no, they, exactly. That's government guidance. So, I mean, so, so if you say, right, the league's starting next week, we need you all back. So everyone flies over, but they they can't do anything for two weeks. It just, I just can't see the logic behind it. There's, it's, there is, it's too complex. I mean, we haven't even talked about, I don't know about the, oh, well, we kind of mentioned it earlier, but like the legalities of forcing players to play if they don't want to, if they don't feel safe. Uh, contractual obligations, all that kind of stuff. I just would not want to be in a position where I'm having to work out how to sift through all of those things. And then you've also got the referees, right? Referees, mm. linesmen, uh, or referees, assistant well, referees. Whatever. Referees this are paid is... 300 grand a week, aren't they? They just fucking get on with it. Yeah, I, I, we all know money just... protects you, clearly. And, and they're older, right? They're not. They're not. They're not in their 20s and and what early 30s necessarily. So. You know, you got that, and then the coaching staff and kit men and everything else that comes with it. These guys are going to be sweating and spitting and breathing all over kit, and then what? Well, kit man's going to go in. He's not going to have PPE to kind of deal with this stuff. I don't, I don't know. It's just like little things like that in terms of how it works. You know, are you going to have separated out kind of spaces in the dressing room? It, it just, <laughs> it, it just. Like what? It, isn't it just absurd? I mean, literally, I tweeted saying, um, you know, I tweeted it as a joke, and loads of people took it seriously. I said, yeah, when Premier League have announced that managers will no longer be allowed to deploy man marking tactics, <laughs> right? As a joke, and people the, are going, the problem this is, is ludicrous. Your job's a bit of a serious one that's also relates to to the medical world. Um, so people look at you and go. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe. No, definitely. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's literally what happens. <laughs> um, on a serious-ish note, well, fucking totally serious, let's be honest. When do you envisage a normality returning? And I say anormality because I don't think there'll be a full normality. Well, in general or for the football? Yeah, in general. Be- well, I guess... There's there's not a prayer we're seeing fans at a stadium until 2021 at the earliest, and and even then, is how feasible is that then? Uh, it isn't unless we get a really massive um, increase in testing, and the reason that's important is if you can identify reliably who's got it and had it, you can then trace who they've been in contact with for the last four weeks. And then they then go into isolation. It spreads out. So test, trace, isolate. 
and that's what you do and if you we should have been doing that already which will then help ease lockdown because then you can start going right these guys have isolated these guys have isolated you guys crack on uh, and then you start to reduce the spread you reduce the numbers of infected people in the general population and your healthcare system can manage those kind of numbers uh, and then you start to sort of break the lines of transmission if you had that in place uh then you could then i would be more inclined to say actually yeah a return to football behind closed doors makes sense and then at some point uh, a return of fans to the to the stadiums but i would have reserved that till after you've got a vaccine ready which uh is about well there's a very optimistic timeline coming out from oxford that they'll they will have preliminary they will have uh, results and potentially the vaccine could be proven to be effective by the end of this year but there's that, but and then there's also scale up of manufacturing of the vaccine to then roll out in a massive public health kind of initiative to make sure everyone is vaccinated. Like, how do you do it? How do you communicate it? Who goes first? All that kind of stuff. Mm. So um, it isn't going to be a while before we have a vaccine widely available and people getting it. Once that has happened, and it's going to take a while to get to like 60% of the population vaccinated. You know, that's what I think that's about 35 million people for close to 40 million people that you need to vaccinate. Then, then you can go, yeah, cool. Crack on, have a few crowds. Um, so it isn't this is not a short term. There's no quick fix, unfortunately. So even if there is a vaccine um, in 2020, we're talking somewhere in the region of three to six months for them to be able to manufacture and deploy 30 um, million bloody vaccine well, so where would they be done would they be done by a local gp uh, or is it going to be like a drive-through get your no, arms jumped be, thing well it would have to be a very different sort of massive public health drive like you're like i don't know that you may have it open up conference centers and things like that but at the moment vaccination is done via gp but that's a much much smaller scale right it's not like you're, you know, at that, and at that point, you'd probably do it staggered as well, more vulnerable people who are eligible for the vaccine. And then you sort of stagger through the population uh, and maybe you go through schools with the kids and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that necessarily three to six months manufacturing time is, is, I mean, all of this is just speculation because actually normal development, you, you would have your manufacturing scaling up about two, three years before you even come to market. And then you get to a point where you, you, you the, your scale up has to then like, you can have a product that you, that works and, but then scaling it up is completely different. Like you're going from thousands or hundreds thousands of batches for clinical trial development and testing and stability and all that kind of stuff to hundreds of thousands, millions of batches that is, in terms of quality control and stuff, there's a whole area of regulations and a huge part of the development program. It's a lot of money. And actually, you know, medicines, I've been in companies where our medicines have gone out to market. And because of the scale up that you, you have to make slight tweaks to the formulation and you get um, problems with it because you've got slightly altered pH or you've got slightly altered um, um, reactions to it. So it's not guaranteed that everything will just sort of come through but as i understand it all of that is happening in in parallel and you don't have we won't have as much kind of regulatory red tape but then that also raises its own questions so there's no kind of definitive um timeline fuck's sake oh 
don't really want to talk about anything else after that. I've just kind of been like, well, well go fuck yourself. What, what uh, can you- I mean, one thing I will say is it's like an unprecedented time. I know we say that word a lot now, but I've never seen this level of like kind of collaboration within within the industry, within researchers, um, medics, uh, com- biotech companies, pharma companies uh, around the world. And and like my co- my company opened up its entire back catalog of data for researchers to look at to see if there are potential medicines that can be looked at and there is actually there was one that came out of that um which I don't, i'm not sure if it's got into develop uh, trial development yet but it was one that was it failed in another disease but they think the mechanism of action would be useful in this so then they can go on so that kind of thing has never happened before so it is kind of cool again like we talked about earlier it's cool for me from an academic perspective but you know it's not cool because it's a massive public health crisis <laughs> but, there, but it is it is uh, there's a lot of stuff happening a lot of innovation, so it, it's interesting from that perspective. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm supposed to talk about football now. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry, I went off on one. Well, look, Joe, it's valid information because uh, very rarely are we getting truth from politicians or knowledge from politicians, and and obviously you're, you're not a part of the work on a vaccine, more the, the treatment of symptoms. But it's still nice to be able to speak to someone that actually has a clue what they're talking about. And it's not Karen off Facebook. And it's not <laughs> someone that's telling you it's fucking 5G's caused it. You know, it's it's actually nice to have a discussion where someone does know what the fuck they're talking about and can give, like, a, a real sort of uh, insight into something. Because I think that's the issue with a lot of things at the moment is we just don't know who to trust for your information. You don't know who to trust. Like... You should be able to trust the government, but you're watching that and even going, "You're talking shit, mate." Like I don't think they know. I, I, I think they're in the same boat. They don't. They don't know. So they're trying to just put any information out there to keep the public happy, but it's just going terribly wrong. Well, they're coming out and saying like, look, you know, look at our successes, apparent successes, and you're like, what? What, what now? You know, the fact that we've got, I think we're like twentieth, twenty second in terms of population in the world but we're second in deaths. And we had a lot of warning about this as well. But we're a country where we're quite compact. There's a lot of people in the same areas. You look at other countries where they've got higher population. There's more, it's densely possible, you know, it's spread out more, whereas here, everyone's in the same area. Not true. Every every fucking country in the world has got cities. And a lot of them have got poorer health than than, than in the UK. Well, if if you look at the UK... If you if you look at unless you're in a little village, everyone's in a in a city or the suburbs, and they're just it's thousands, hundreds of thousands of people around you, millions. So that's why London's one of the biggest hotspots. Yeah, but I mean, London, New York, a lot of these big cities. I, I think there there's definitely a case for the dense dense um, densest of population. But when you look at um, so there were a few studies done looking at this and the um, the the kind of how packed in people are wasn't as strong a correlation for your your response uh, sorry for your death rate as how what your response was like so the measures that you put in place so that that's kind of yes that is true to a point but it's not um it's no it's it's not kind of a 
a reason why the UK should be number two because we're not as densely populated as the other country. There's no, there's no. The, the only reason we're number two is because the response has been inadequate, and that that's just simple sort of fact. Per capita deaths as well, so per million, um, I think we're about five hundred ish for or four ninety. Um, and Germany's got a bigger population than us, um, and they're at, I think, ninety two. Austria, I think I picked these two countries because they're reopening their leagues. Austria is at 50 odd um, deaths per million. So it's a massive, massive difference. And even they have had issues like Dresden. Dresden, their entire squad is in quarantine. Yeah. What, how's that going to? I mean, I don't see the Bundesliga even going for a few, for more than a couple of weeks. And then you'll have other, other clubs getting issues and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, talking about the UK, the Premier League coming back in, in a few weeks is, it's mental. It doesn't make sense to me in any way other than financial reasons. But they're going to do it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I just it, does, it's, it doesn't make sense to me at all. I, I just feel like they're definitely doing it. I just think everything they're doing is working towards to doing it and I'm not sure it's the right, well I am, I'm sure it's not the right thing to do, but I'm sure they're going to do it. And that's the fucking, the nightmare scenario around it, it? Right, should we talk about Angel Gomez? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So you've got two sides, you're not allowed anywhere in between. You've either got the, this is another Sancho and Pogba moment and we should pay him anything he wants and and play him. And then you've got the right argument, which is, um, we shouldn't be held accountable to youth players if he wants to play. He signs a thing like Greenwood did, like Williams did, to an extent like Chong did, and he'd probably be given some opportunities. Where do you sit on that argument? For me, you know, we've watched him for a long time and he's been such a talent. You know, one of the best young players I've seen for a while until Greenwood popped along. Um I've always liked him, but is his head always been in the right place? Uh, personally, I don't think it is. And there's now these rumours that he's not going to sign his contract and he's going to sign for Chelsea. Is he really, really going to get more opportunities to play for Chelsea than he is at United? I just don't understand the logic behind it. And if, if that's the way he feels and he just, no, I'm not signing a contract, well, I'm sorry, I, I like you and all, but yeah, see you later. He might come back to bite us, but you, you can't be held accountable. For the, you know, if he's saying not signing, not signing, we can't be at his feet begging for a player who, not being funny, he's, he's had a few opportunities. He's not, he's, he's, he has shown certain things in cert, certain games. He's not scored any goals, which he was known to do when he was a bit younger. Mm. For me, he's not going to get into that midfield and play regularly at the moment. If if they got Bruno Fernandez, got McTominay, you've got Fred, you've got even Pogba coming back. The way Solskjaer's talking, that Pogba's going to be a long term thing. Is he going to get in ahead of them? I just can't see it. And the opportunities he's going to get are in cup games or like the Europa League. But because he didn't sign his contract and he's been the way he was, they've not been playing him. And they did basically come out and say, well, if you sign your contract, you'll play. Like you mentioned with Chong, it happened with him. He signed it. He didn't sign his contract at first for a different reason. But when he did finally sign it, he got the opportunity. Yeah. I just... And it'd be sad to see him go because I'm a huge fan of him, but he's, I just think he's being daft. Do you reckon, Jesse? 
Yeah, I reckon. I mean, there's yeah, I don't, there's not much to disagree with there. I think it, 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 in in a certain um, kind of regard, there there is a little bit of that Pogba sort of situation to it, in that you've got Andreas Pereira in this side, who's what clocked up nearly forty appearances this season, and hasn't done much. And you know, he tries hard, and I'm sure he's a great bloke. I don't, you know, all that kind of jazz, but he he's not good enough, and just hasn't hasn't contributed um in a way that you'd expect and and you'd hope you'd have thought that angel gomez would have got some game time um ahead of Pereira when you know because he has played in those kind of more attacking positions that said um i think the, we, we have to have a, a, a principled approach we can't be held to ransom by by a, you know we can't set that precedent and just say oh okay here's a big fat contract now go and prove yourself it should be the other way around, absolutely. Um, and he needs to just, you know, I, I don't know the ins and outs of the conversations and I don't know him in any way in terms of his character or personality. But for me, as a general note, I, I wouldn't be looking for big fat contracts prior to actually proving myself. But the, And then the counter argument is, well, he hasn't had the opportunity to do so. But I think you need to kind of, at that age, just get your head down. I mean, you, you can, you see it like Marcus Rashford didn't get signed a contract until he'd sort of broken in and, you know, like a lot big fat contract until he'd broken his side. Greenwood, I think has recently signed a contract. Is that right? Um, or fairly recently. Greenwood did one at the end of the summer. Yeah. So there was, yeah, there yeah. was zero about it in the press. There was zero. Will he, won't he? It was put on the table. Yeah. And, it was and he'll get, and he'll get a big pay rise very soon as well anyway. Right. Cause he's, proving himself and he'll get that you now recognize he's now recognized as part of the first team squad he'll be he'll i'm sure he'll get he'll get a contract a new contract probably in six months time if he carries on oh i mean right we've got covid so there isn't going to be any football but you know assuming <laughs> they had carried on like that he would have got a new contract um and i think that's the way to go and mctominay as well he got a contract and i think it's about breaking in first and then doing it and 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 at the moment i'm certain whatever contracts on the table is going to be more than he probably would have got if he hadn't had i don't know these idea ideas about going to another club so i don't know i have no personal kind of connection to it i think i hope he stays and signs and and goes on to be a cracking player for us but if he goes somewhere else it doesn't matter you can't set a precedent where you where you just throw money at a at a, at a young player just because they're throwing a bit of a tantrum or whatever the issue is. Yeah, I'm firmly of the belief that you know, Angel is clearly one of the most talented youngsters I've seen coming through the academy, but actually, the last few years, his his growth has stalled massively and some of that could be down to, you know, partially Jose decided to give him a debut very early with only the intention of giving him a debut. It wasn't because he was thinking of him as part of the first-team squad. He was just stat-padding in terms of how many youngsters he's given debuts to. That's my belief. Um, and then once uh, Oli came in, he was given opportunities. Was he on the pitch? Or was he, he was on the bench, at least, I think, for, for Paris away. You know, He's been in and around the team. I have no doubts whatsoever if he'd have signed a contract last summer with a full year left on his deal... We probably wouldn't have seen Andreas Pereira um, as much this season. I think Angel could quite easily have taken his place, but you can't. Like 
look at the people that Oli's signing. They're, they're all basically coming out and saying that they're Manchester United fans. You've got the likes of Igalo saying he took a, a 66% wage cut to come here. You, you've got players that are absolutely bleeding to be Manchester United players. And that attitude has to be the it has to be the benchmark of what you want to sign. You know, in the modern era, sometimes these youngsters, they're getting far too much at an early age. You've got to... They're going to be highly rewarded regardless. If you don't pay at them, someone's going to pay at them. That's fine. But you've got to make them want it for footballing reasons, I think. And you've got to reward them with football when they do the right thing. It's not... It's putting the cart before the horse to give him a contract and then give him minutes. You know, it's... It's a case, uh, or the other way around even, it's to give him minutes and then give him the contract. No, no, prove your worth. Prove you want to be here by signing that bit of paper and then you'll get your opportunity. But on that, and something that I don't think has been brought up too much, although Dave touched on it a second ago, he's actually not been great in the 23s at all this season. He's, he's there, looked... There's been certain games where he has been, but overall, it's up and down. It's There's it's nothing where you consistently good and you're thinking yeah he's gonna be in the first team next week not like what he was in 18s at 18s you was like oh my god this kid is so fucking good you know to the same level like you know greenwood was he was coming through you was just saying i can't wait until this kid's been given an opportunity because he's so good and he's going to change all sorts of stuff Uh, and that's what you want is you want them to build on that momentum and to pop into the first team on the back of that but there's there's no free Uh, lunches here for me it's all up here, and uh, let me show you something. This is, I think, this is the reason the um, under seventeen World Cup final, which England won. And you look at the players who are in there: Sancho, Foden, Hudson-Odoi. W- what are they all doing now? They're all on big contracts. They're playing regularly for their club. He was a captain of that team, yeah. and he's not getting a look in. And I think deep down he's thinking, "Well, why I do? Look at it. Look at Sancho. Look how much money he's on. Look how much he's playing. Everyone's talking about him. Look at Phil Foden." How many chances he's getting under Guardiola? Which, to be fair to Guardiola, does, he doesn't need to play him, does he? But he still does. So he must be that own frustrated, and he's got people telling him around him how good he is. I think he just needs to calm down a little bit and and think to himself, "I will get this. He will finally get his opportunity." But it's just it's not going to happen straight away like this. Not all players get the opportunity at the same time. Some a bit later on, and you got to think he is a, he is small, and I know that's not shouldn't be an issue, but until you you're used to playing with big lumps kicking you about a bit, you need to you're not going to get that opportunity straight away because you don't look good when it, when it happens the first time you get kicked around you playing in the first team and you're not really doing much it don't happen it, it takes a few games to do that and at the moment the way we are we're not consistently good in the league we're not consistently good in, in even like the the league cups and the FA cups so. Until we get consistent run, he's not going to give that get that opportunity all the time. He's just got to be patient, but I don't think he is. No, um, uh, it's flipped and flopped a few times. You know, the word on the street was something's going to happen, then something's not going to happen. Then it looks like you know, there's offers on the table. There's offers have been on the table from people from from abroad and uh, and. There was some noises coming out from close to him, which was, I think he just needs to get his head down and sign it and work hard on being part of first team. But that appears to have changed. I think the fact that there's rumours of him bringing in that Pini Zahavi as an agent, previously he was only represented by his family. 
uh, that's usually a big indication. Exact same situation with Jesse Lingard, to be honest. When you know you see that he's brought in Raiola, well, why else would you bring in Raiola? I think you're bringing in Raiola to facilitate a move. Um, I think people's attitudes to Jesse wanting to move on will be different to Angel Gomez's wanting to move on. But at the end of the day, the result is the same. Um, so, you know, it's one of those we've seen. We've seen plenty of players with potential that have never made it. Uh, I hope Angel isn't one of those, but it wouldn't surprise me if he was. Um, anything else, lads? Or should we wrap it up there? I mean, that's a pretty abrupt ending to the show, but yes. (laughs) Anything positive to end on, anyone? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, my team got nominated. My my uh, my team at work got nominated for two external awards, so that's that's a positive. If anyone, you can share in that that celebration. Uh, what else? I, I I'm now um, I completed my uh, specialty registration as a, as a physician, so you know that that's a good personal achievement from my end as well. What, what does um, that mean in English, Joshy? It means I'm on the specialist register. It's equivalent of like board certification. You're on US. a special register now, are you? <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's not always I'm, cause I'm a, a celebration, but whatever floats your boat. The register I'm on is cause for <laughs> celebration. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There's some positive stuff there. Yeah, I don't know. I'm in Champions else. League on FIFA, so that's that's a good thing. <laughs> I'm going through books like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, I've currently, list- I've currently got the. Um, I'm gonna get the name of it. I think it's the Barcelona way. Are you, are you talking? You just football football. Um, literature as well. uh, yeah yeah i, I, I did I, listen to one which is um it's called bullet magnet which was uh, about a lad that was in afghanistan same time i was in afghanistan uh, most decorated serving soldier in the british army um and it starts with an actual cliffhanger um he falls off the edge of a cliff using night vision doesn't see the edge of the cliff and uh he's he's out walking in front of uh, an armored vehicle and um the armored vehicle nearly follows him off the edge of a cliff um, because they can't see him. And he was out there trying to clear the path and make sure it was going in the right direction. Um, it was an operation I was on, um, and I didn't know about this. Uh, and it lit- the first chapter literally ends with a cliffhanger of this armored vehicle coming towards him, and then it jumps straight back to where he started training. And you're like, motherfucker! <laughs> I was getting into that. Uh, but apart from that, apart from that one, uh, yeah, it's almost exclusively been football ones and the Barcelona way which is Jonathan Wilson book to go along with this Clough one which I've been absolutely fucking all about uh, lately um, yeah it's mostly football reading uh, I'm more into physics and, and, and kind of that like astronomy it's astronomy not astrology right just getting it right astrology is the bullshit <laughs> Astrology is the bullshit, right? Yeah, yeah. No, right, yeah. Astronomy like is, is yeah, the yeah. thing. I shown like, my wife the um, the Netflix documentary about Flat Earth the other day. Yeah. Oh, she was shouting at the telly. It was sensational. <laughs> <laughs> if you've not seen it, I'm going to throw a spoiler alert in. Uh, have you both seen it? I've not. I haven't, no. Uh, hang on, let me just see what the name of it is. So, I highly recommend watching it. Because you're going to feel a range of emotions watching it. Some of them are the desire to headbutt stuff 
like spikes, right? Um, <laughs> where the fuck is it? Continue watching. It, so- watching. it sounds like uh, the, the range of emotions I go through when I watch Boris Johnson's daily presser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there a cliffhanger at the end? Do you actually find out if it's flat or not? <laughs> I'm coming to that. I'm just going to get the, the title because the end of it is so good. It's called Behind the Curve on Netflix. It's amazing. Uh, it's okay. so good, right? At the end of it, they're conducting an experiment. And the the guy conducts this experiment, which has got a series of um, planks that have been placed in the wood at sea level, I think 17 feet all the way along. And it's they've got a laser. And they're like, right, we should be able to see this now. They've gone like quite far, a couple of miles maybe. Enough to see the curvature of the Earth is, is the thing. And he's like, if we... If we hold this laser at 17 feet, it'll be picked up by our camera at 17 feet, like X number of mile away, and it'll go through the center of the hole in all of these little planks that they've lined up yeah, yeah. all the way through. And he goes, if we don't see it, but we hold it up like that, uh, that's because there's a curve in the earth uh, and it's not flat. And he's standing there and he's got his little camera and he's like, okay, turn it on. They're like on the walkie-talkie. And he's like, I can't see it. And he's like, hold it above your head. And then he holds it above his head and it flashes up, literally revealing that that they've their whole experiment to prove the Earth is flat has proved that it's got a curve to it. And then they sort of sit there and go, oh, that's interesting. And then it ends and you're just going, <laughs> Anyway. It's I, I, well good. It's <laughs> so good. They're, they're off their fucking rocker. I'd highly recommend it. <laughs> right. Uh, anything else anyone wants to say? No, just Nothing. cheers for having me on. I, I do have to shoot soon. So, yeah. All right. Buzzing. Cheers, Jossie. Cheers, Dave. Uh, go yeah. check out Flat Earth. Um, and, and put anything, any other recommendations for maniacs like people who believe in Flat Earth, uh, put it in and I will watch the shit out of it. Cheers for joining us. <laughs> See you in a bit. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.